I don't know about you, but I am all kinds of amped up today. I've watched all the movies this week, The Passion of the Christ. I watched the show, The Chosen. I've been to like seven different churches this weekend. After all, this is Resurrection Sunday, the day that changed the trajectory of the universe from spiraling into self-destruction into a future your best dreams can't ever imagine. This is why St. Augustine would say we are an Easter people and Alleluia is our song, or Fleming Rutledge, the great preacher, could write, from beginning to end, the holy scriptures testify that the predicament of fallen humanity is so serious, so grave, so irremediable from within, that nothing short of divine intervention can rectify it. Divine intervention is what we needed. Divine intervention is what we get. Jesus Christ left the eternal communion with the Father and the Spirit, entered into the finite realities of creatureliness, born of the Virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried only to rise up in resurrection, shouting to death, thou shalt die, and offering to us what we couldn't get for ourselves, salvation. This is why the church has been shouting for 2,000 years, and I'd love it if you join me. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. If that seems a little strange to you as I'm speaking into a camera and you're looking at a screen or maybe you're not so much sure about faith and definitely not all that into church, maybe just try it on for an hour. Just give it a try. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. There may be opportunity to offer that call and response again. For now, I'm gonna stand and I'm guessing you're gonna sit in wonder at the glory that God revealed and accomplished through Jesus Christ as we hear of it in John's gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. She ran and told Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Simon Peter and the other disciple set out. They were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look into the tomb, but he did not go in. Simon Peter came following him. He went into the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not with the linen wrappings, but lying by itself. The other disciple came into the tomb and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then they returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb As she wept, she bent down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two men sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. As she said this, she turned, and she saw Jesus, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. He said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? She said, if if you've taken away my Lord, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll carry him away. And he said to her, Mary. And she turned and said in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And he said, do not hold on to me, 
For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go, tell my brothers, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And she went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all these things that he said to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side. And when they saw that it was the Lord, they rejoiced. He said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them. So they went and announced to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nail and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, they were together again in the house and the doors were shut for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand? Put your hand in my side do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. These are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing in him, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's John chapter 20. If you want to find it in a Bible near you or the smartphone with you, I realize you've got hams, baking, and cheesy potatoes in your ovens, but I've got a call and response on my heart. Let's try it again. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. I'll get you to your brunch buffets. Don't worry. I just want to show you a couple of things from John's resurrection account. First, something I don't want you to miss. Second, something I'd love for you to remember. And the third might just change your life. First, something you can't miss. Before Mary got to the tomb, God had already acted. Before they were running, Jesus had already been raised. Before they did anything, God had accomplished everything. Early, this is what it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. She's there with her heart broken. She's there so sad. The only thing she could imagine by this stone rolled back in this empty tomb was thievery, robbery. That's the best she could imagine. So she does what comes natural to her and she runs to the guys and she, she's like, he's gone. And they're worried, they're concerned. Desecrating a grave is a capital offense in some places. Taking a body is at least inhumane. So they run and they get there. And at first they can't make any sense of it. But eventually they realize they can't argue. The stone's been rolled back. The tomb is empty. He's not there. What I don't want you to miss before they ran, Jesus was raised. Before they did anything, God had done everything we needed for salvation. Too quickly and too often, 
Our tendency is to think it all depends on us. It's all up to us. Either that or we, 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 we go into some sort of fatalism. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Nothing can happen, nothing good can come. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ says God is, God does, God will before you can. You and I, we can see the devastation that wreaks havoc on our world, the atrocities of Ukraine and a shooting and a subway in Brooklyn and now even closer to home in Grand Rapids. Another gun goes off and Patrick Leori goes down and too many, so many people cry out, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? And, and all of the other agonies of our lives. And when, it, when it's so dark, we either give in to fatalism or we take on a burden we can't bear. It's up to me. I've got to get it done. I must. God doesn't seem to do anything. God doesn't seem to be near. And the gospel of Christ and Resurrection Sunday says, well, well, actually God is. God. God does. God will before you can. God is. If I'm going to be real flat out honest with you, I'm inviting you into the possibility that the universe is more than just a closed system. It's more than just a zero-sum game. It can't all just be defined by what the five senses tell you is real. I'm not going to offer some Christian apologetic for, for the existence of God. I'm not going to shame anybody if you've got questions or curiosities, but I am going to invite you to consider a few stories the earliest apostles, the one who were closest to Jesus, every one of them was put to death because they refused to renounce the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Maybe with the exception of, of St. John, who was at least exiled to a prison island called Patmos, a first century version of Alcatraz, Peter himself was crucified upside down. Don't you think one of them would have sidestepped the question? At least one of them would have backtracked a little, and yet none of them renounced because God is, God does, God will before we can. The resurrection of Jesus Christ announces a new day, a new way. God. I was in a conversation on Monday just here at the church, there was a lecture on Monday night and some responses some from really, some really incredible people and we're eating cupcakes and drinking water after the, the lecture and an old friend, both in terms of longtime friend and he's elderly, came up to me and he said, do you know I died last year? That was a sort of provocative introduction and I said, help me out. He said, I had, I had a heart attack in August, and I was pronounced dead three times. The first time, they paddled me back to life, and I looked, and I saw at the end of my bed a man standing with his arms up saying, you're alive, you're gonna live. And when, when I had finally come to, I said to the nurses, who was the man at the end of the bed? And, and, and she said to me, sir, there was no man. Now, you, you, you and I, maybe we can dismiss it as some sort of delusion between waking and sleeping with trauma on the body, or, or, or maybe, maybe God is. Maybe God does. Maybe God will before you can. This is why the church has been shouting, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I don't want you to miss it. Now, here's something to remember. Mary runs the tomb the disciples follow behind. They don't know what to make of it. They don't know what to do. They just go home. Not Mary. Mary stands there weeping. She looks into the tomb. She sees two guys. She's not, not disoriented at all by the presence of angels. 
She turns, she sees Jesus, but doesn't recognize him as Jesus. He speaks her name. What, what must it have been like to hear the beloved speak her name, Mary? And she falls on her face and she lunges for Jesus and he says, don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father, but here's the point. But go, tell my brothers. Tell my brothers. This is the first time in the entirety of John's gospel he's referred to the disciples as brothers. Friends, he even called them friends earlier, which is quite generous. And servants, of course, that's what they do. And disciples over and over, that's what they are. But here, now, after the resurrection, brothers, I want you to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ redefines relationships. So let me just do a little relationship math for you. If Jesus is God's son and they're Christ's brothers, wouldn't that then make us those who believe in Christ, wouldn't that then make us children, children of God? What if that's first? What if that's best? What if that's most wonderful? You are a child of God. You may be a mechanic or a doctor, a teacher, or you may police. All of it's wonderful, all of it's good, but it's not most wonderful, it's not first. You're a child of God. So succeed or fail, win or lose, try, try again. You're a child of God. Risk, run, love, serve, give, be generous, forgive, laugh at yourself. You're a child of God. And no one, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, no one can take it from you. I like the way St. Augustine puts it in a sermon he once preached. Being rich, he became poor for our sake, so that by his poverty, we might become rich. He, equal to the Father in the form of God, became like us in the form of a servant, and he reforms us to be like God. The only Son of God, having become the Son of Man, makes many sons of men the sons of God. Go, tell my brothers. If we're Christ's brothers, we must be God's children. That's what matters most, that's what matters first. So take the promotion, get the raise, be the valedictorian and summa cum whatever, or drop out. Don't tell your parents I said that. Or quit your job, or break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. As hard as it may be, it's not what's most real. You are a child of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ redefines relationship. Uh, I like these words from Brennan Manning, 20th century author, speaker, even actually became a priest at one point. Also, alcoholic. When I get honest, I admit I'm a bundle of paradoxes. I believe and I doubt, I hope and get discouraged, I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good, I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. I'm a trusting person and suspicious, I'm honest and still play games. Aristotle said I'm a rational animal, I say I'm an angel with an incredible capacity for beer. My deepest awareness of myself is that I'm deeply loved by Jesus Christ and have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Jesus Christ rose from the dead to redefine relationships. You are a child of God. Go tell my brothers. That I want you to remember, and this is why the church has been shouting, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now this might, maybe, possibly, it could change your life. Mary's at the tomb, the disciples have gone home. 
They, they gather, the disciples, they, they gather in a, in a little room. The doors are locked. doesn't seem to stop Jesus. But Thomas isn't there. Thomas, called the twin, one of the 12. He's not, he's not there. Thomas, Thomas saw the crucified Christ. Thomas heard the news of his death and, and the grave. And Thomas is like, I'm out. He had pinned his hopes, his longings, his heart on Jesus, and he died. And Thomas, Thomas is out. Doesn't even show up that first night. And I'm just wondering, you ever checked out? Have you ever said, I'm out? The church is a mess. It's, it's exploitative. So many scandals. I'm out. Church even actually wounds people, not everybody all the time, but enough people, enough of the time, so a bunch of people are like, I'm out. Worship attendance is down like 30% across our country. A bunch of people are like, I'm out. But, but, but maybe the church is, maybe that's just like a distraction. Maybe, maybe it's really actually, maybe it's about God. Maybe, maybe on like the big macro level, but even more on the, like the personal level, he didn't seem to be there when you needed him. He didn't seem to act when you needed something. And so finally you're like, I'm out. Thomas was out. Thomas, he's out. Now I want you to notice this, the, the next week, the, the next week Thomas is with the disciples, which is really curious to me. Apparently that early group of Christians had room for someone who said, I'm out. He's there with them, and Jesus shows up again, and Jesus says to Thomas, hey, Thomas, you're my child. Thomas, you're my brother. Put your finger here. Put your hand in my side. Jesus isn't out on Thomas. Thomas says, I'm out. Jesus says, I'm not. Jesus shows up, and Thomas sees him, and he touches his hand, and he puts his hand on his side, and Thomas says, Thomas says, my Lord and my God, this whole gospel of John has been moving us towards this very moment when someone finally would say, Jesus Christ is God. The gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus offers these seven I am statements announcing, I'm God, but no one yet says it. And there's the seven signs in John's gospel pointing to anyone with an ear to hear, he's God, but no one yet says it. It's not until Thomas, Thomas who said, I'm out, is the first one to say, my God. And maybe, just maybe, here, now, here today, you who've said, I'm out. For all the reasons you may have been out. The church, for this reason, and the pain of that reason, and God just didn't seem, maybe Christ still comes to you. Maybe Christ isn't out on you. Maybe Christ's mercy is for you, and Christ's grace is for you. Maybe Christ died and rose again for you. Maybe today we say together, let's say it together, my God. Jesus Christ is God. I'll give Brennan Manning the last word. Do you believe that the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness? Beyond fidelity and infidelity? That he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain? That he loves you when your intellect denies it, your emotions refuse it, your whole being rejects it? Do you believe that God loves without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are and not as you should be? This moment as you are 
not as you should be, as you are. If you've ever had, ever felt the need to say, I'm out, if the pain has been too much and the scandal's too scandalous and you just can't take it anymore and you're like, I'm out, maybe Jesus Christ died and rose again because he's not out. Maybe he loves you as you are. And maybe us, you, me, here now with Thomas can say, my God. That's why Christians have been shouting, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, Christ died and rose again that we might have life and have it everlasting. And he invites us to the table. He invites us to the table to remind us so that we can taste, so that we can smell. I'm in for you. I love you. You are mine. So if you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, come to the this table, however you have it set up. And if you're not there, if you got dragged into this thing by your family because it's Easter and you just want the ham and the cheesy potatoes, don't, don't feel pressure. Don't be coerced. I may, maybe we could meet together sometime. I'd love that. My, name, uh, my email is john at pillarchurch.com, J-O-N. For those who do partake, come. All things are ready.